Blog Talk Radio. It's Pundit's Pub from New York City, the American Heartland, and Washington, D.C. I'm Stephen Love. This past Saturday, April 29th, Pundit's Pub was embedded with the 200,000 marchers in Washington, D.C. for the People's Climate March. It was 95 degrees in April as the new climate change-denying administration continued to wreak havoc on the planet. The day before the march, Trump signed an executive order opening up formerly protected areas of the Arctic and Atlantic Oceans to oil and gas drilling, and the EPA deleted information about climate change from its website. The corporatist fascist administration's assault on planet Earth started in January with the cabinet and agency nominations that put forth climate change denying Scott Pruitt to head the Environmental Protection Agency and climate change denying dunce Rick Perry to head the Energy Department. The roster of gangsters in power grew with Exxon CEO Rex Tillerson at the State Department, coal industry booster Ryan Zinke at the Department of Interior, and bankster Wilbur Ross at Commerce. Just yesterday, Ross, former vice chairman of the criminal money laundering Bank of Cyprus, attracted condemnation for a speech he gave at the Milken Institute Global Conference in Los Angeles, where he recounted how Trump's Syrian missile strike was after-dinner entertainment at Mar-a-Lago during the dinner with Chinese leader Xi Jinping. As the crowd laughed, Ross added, quote, the thing was it didn't cost the president anything to have that entertainment, <laughs> unquote. Yeah, that's right. It cost the U.S. taxpayers around $800,000 for each of the 59 Tomahawk cruise missiles that were fired. Why are you marching today? I'm afraid of what's going to happen to the planet. A lot of us are worried about the planet, especially since on Tuesday, April 18th, the carbon dioxide level in our atmosphere exceeded 410 parts per million, according to the Mauna Loa Observatory in Hawaii. Carbon dioxide hasn't been that high since before the dawn of the human species. According to Scientific American, quote, it's a new atmosphere that humanity will have to contend with, one that's trapping more heat and causing the climate to change at a quickening rate, unquote. Why are you marching today? Climate change is real and it can't wait. Despite overwhelming evidence that climate change is real and caused by human industrial activity, the Trump corporate mafia is taking steps to worsen the situation in an almost gleeful display of wanton cruelty and perversity. 
right off the bat in January, Trump froze pending environmental regulations, including energy efficiency standards and nearly 30 EPA regulations affecting air and water quality. On February 1, the EPA rolled back regulations on mercury pollution. February 8, the the Army Corps of Engineers reversed their earlier action and approved the Dakota Access Pipeline despite its threat to tribal drinking water. February 14, Trump signs Republican-created legislation eliminating the disclosure of payments by resource extraction issuers rule designed to stop oil companies from bribing foreign governments. Now, it's okay for oil companies to bribe foreign governments. February 16, Trump signs Republican legislation repealing the stream protection rule. Now it's okay for coal companies to pollute streams. March 16, Office of Management and Budget Head Mick Mulvaney announced that funding for climate change research would be eliminated because, quote, it's a waste of your money to do that. On March 28th, Trump signs an executive order directing the EPA to begin rolling back the Clean Power Plan, which aims to curb carbon pollution more than 30% by 2030. And on March 29, the Department, Department of Energy banned the use of the term climate change in all DOE communications. And on April 26, the Interior Department, which is supposed to conserve our natural environment, took down photos of the beauty of American natural wilderness for pictures of oil and gas drilling rigs on their website. I looked at their homepage today. There's a huge picture of an oil drilling rig in the ocean. It's a nightmare. Meanwhile, one of the highest rated documentary films on iTunes is Age of Consequences, which looks at climate change through the lens of national security and global stability. Even the Pentagon knows climate change is real and is developing war plans to confront the growing instability that is a result of the wanton extraction of fossil fuels. Every imperialist war adventure by the United States has as its root the control of oil. So what does this continuous death wish portend for the planet? Will the planet be safe for humans even in a few decades? Today's special guest on Pundit's Pub is James Barth. James is a homeowner in Pennsylvania and an anti-fracting activist with the Damascus Citizens for Sustainability. Welcome to Pundit's Pub, James. Hi, Steve. Great to be with you. Well, great to have you. James, what do we need to do to stop the madness of this onslaught of environmental destruction? Well, um, the onslaught of environmental destruction, as you aptly put it, uh, I just believe that's a product of human nature and that um, we can't stop it. Um, And we won't stop the madness. Um, uh, It doesn't mean that, you know, as an activist um, uh, that I sit back 
or that I give up being an activist and I sit back and participate in the orgy, the um, you know the destruction of the environment and nature uh, in order to accumulate more. Um, and I, it doesn't mean I sit back and I do nothing about other people who do that. Um, I would just say that uh, you know act locally and regionally, think globally live in harmony with the earth to the best of our ability. All politics is local. Uh, the phrase Tip O'Neill was closely associated with. And for me, uh, that allows me uh, the acting locally and regionally and being parts of grassroots groups that do that on a daily basis while thinking globally and while occasionally taking part in global action such as April 29th with you and Royce and, uh, you know, other people. We came down on a bus from Honesdale, Pennsylvania, through Scranton down to Washington, D.C. to join the other 199,995 people. Um, but, you know, acting locally regionally, um, targeting, uh, being smart about whom we target and um, uh, making out, being thoughtful and planning uh, and getting there early, getting before, once you allow people to get their boots on the ground, once you let the devil in the door, it's almost impossible to get him out and him, the devil, is extraction, it's pipelines, it's compressor stations, it's you know on and on. You know you can take your your intro was filled with uh, everything, um, but politically speaking, we don't have the power. We're not, uh, we don't have it where I live. We don't have it locally uh, in relation to politics, whether it's Congress, Senate, uh, town supervisors, county supervisors. Uh, we don't have it the courts. We don't have it um, in the executive branch. So um, I think that uh, locally, regionally, um, and uh, and then do the best we can globally. Now you have um, personal experience as uh, uh, you recently moved uh, full time to Pennsylvania. You did live in New York City. Um, and as a homeowner in Pennsylvania, the property you've owned there for how long? Uh, 28 years. We bought the property in 89, 25 acres. So, so you're, you're quite um, – you're, you're, you were very much involved with the anti-fracking movement in your state of Pennsylvania. Can you elaborate a little bit more, touching on what you, you just sure, said, uh, sure. in terms of, of – how you saw the influence of the extracting companies in in state and local government in Pennsylvania? Okay. Well, state and local is totally are totally in the pocket of the industry. There's nothing that can be done about that. Uh, the joke, I'm in Wayne County, Pennsylvania, and if uh, in other parts of, let's say, Democrat-controlled Pennsylvania, the joke is that Wayne County is filled with Republicans and rattlesnakes. 
because we do, you know, by the Delaware River, we do have uh, uh, timber rattlers. Um, and so uh, that's not really an option, but what we found was that uh, our group, Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, I started out individually because I was a Groucho Marx uh, devotee who believed that I wouldn't want to be a part of any group that would have me as a member. And so I started out individually writing, you know, writing uh, uh, in the papers, uh, blogging and so forth. And then I was contacted by DCS, Damascus Citizens, and asked to be on the steering committee. And I did. And uh, it was filled with a bunch of people like me and without a need to be top down authoritative people found their, um, like water seeking its level, people found the areas that they wanted to focus on and that they uh, would be most effective at. So, for example, I became the point person uh, at the the Delaware River Basin Commission, which is down in West Trenton, New Jersey. And a friend of mine, uh, Joe Levine, became the point person for the water board and um, the cities, the New York City DEP, um, to bring the Bloomberg administration on to the threat, both to the New York City watershed, which is part of the Delaware River Basin. And um, so... What we did early in 2008, before leases were signed in our county, is that we uh, we we identified key uh, places to lobby and educate, to keep people who had authority. And uh, Joe took care of New York City, and I, uh, and then others came to the Delaware River Basin Commission, and. We successfully um, stopped fracking from coming into Wayne County. Now, that's I'm not you know because all the rich New Yorkers would be damned if they uh, had uh, frack waste in their drinking water. Well, that's a nice way to think of it, and that's certainly how we portrayed it. But the reality was that. The industry isn't oftentimes is their worst is their own worst enemy. I mean, they're not brilliant, um, and they shot themselves in the foot left and right. The first one was Chesapeake having leases within the New York City watershed. I mean, they, if they gave it any thought, they would never have gone into that in the first place. How stupid! But what they needed to do was they needed to say this is this is absolutely safe. Nobody has anything to worry about fracking unconventional, you know, high volume slick water multi-stage hydraulic fracturing into shale with horizontal drilling, nothing to worry about. Um, so they couldn't admit that it was a threat. They couldn't admit that they couldn't do it anywhere. And that was how they shot themselves in the foot. And what they came across were educated uh, New Yorkers and educated people who had second homes here as well as lived here. And they were just blindsided by our ability to organize and to present a case and to target the right people. And that's where I come in. We didn't target uh, uh, Governor Corbett, a Republican. 
We didn't target the Wayne County commissioners. We didn't target the local assembly or Senate. We went to the Delaware River Basin and we went to New York City. Once New York City declared, uh, you know, you have to be an idiot to think that you can drill here, then, of course, everybody had the, had the same argument, saying, well, if it's not safe for the New York City watershed, then it certainly isn't safe to put <laughs> one of these wells 300 feet from my, my water well, you know. Right, uh, and, you know, so it's, it's the principle, it's like our, 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 our new Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, is famous for uh, <laughs> suing, I forget which company it was, that wanted to frack near his ranch. No, no, he didn't. Open- it was worse than that, Steve. He, it's not about fracking near his ranch. All he wanted to do was put a water tower to hold fresh water to be able to use for fracking, yeah. and that would have yeah. affected his view and view oh, shed view. and so yes, <laughs> All right, let's open it up. Um, we have um, a regular on our panel is is uh, Pundit's Pub producer Falcon. How are you this evening? I'm fine, thank you, Steve. How about you? I'm fine. We're also going to bring in um, James and I did attend the uh, the march uh, together with my uh, my good friend uh, Royce Burler. Royce is a uh, real estate broker, and she's an advocate of ethical business practices. Royce, welcome to Pundit's Pub. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Have you recovered from the 95-degree day in Washington? Uh, Aside from my third-degree sunburns, yes. Good. We're also going to bring in uh, my good friend Tom Mooney. Tom is uh, an actor, and he holds a master's in political science from Catholic University. Tom, welcome to Pondit's Pop. Thank you for having me, Steve, and it's an honor to be here and uh, with the rest of the panel, too. Great. So, um, based upon uh, what's been said so far uh, up to this point, Tom, how are, uh, as a resident of uh, New Jersey with notorious um, chemical plants lining the uh, Jersey Turnpike, um, what, what have your personal feelings been about the Trump administration's uh, posture as it uh, relates to climate change and the environment. Well, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the politics of oil or on the politics of climate change, but I, I can uh, claim some expertise on the politics of Washington D.C. and the politics of New Jersey. Uh, first of all, regarding New Jersey, I, the shame of it is I just don't see any. Um, Although it's a blue state with almost all, you know, uh, ruled by Democrats, I just don't see any energy uh, that you and James were talking about at at the beginning and the passion that he seemed to have um, while he was speaking to you. Um, But I am an informed citizen. 200,000 people showed up tomorrow. Well, yeah. Yeah, but in, it just, around here, you said, you know, locally, all politics is local, mm-hmm. right, as Tip O'Neill said. And around here, it just doesn't seem like there's any uh, any uh, passion for it, any energy for it. But, I, you know, uh, I'm hoping that'll change. I am an, uh, a concerned citizen like everybody else. I believe in the science of climate change. 
And uh, I just feel that we are in perilous times because this administration is filled top to bottom with ill-informed, ill-prepared ideologues, the Steve Bannons of the world, unwilling to even consider any opposing point of view on any issue. And it starts at the top. You know, this is not real estate. This is the American government that you're trying to run there, Mr. Trump. Uh, this is not real estate and uh, the notion of putting all these people in charge uh, who are ill-informed, in my opinion, ill-informed and ill-prepared uh, and ideological. Uh, it, it's, it, it's a recipe for disaster. Well, um, Falcon, do you, do you think that uh, the people can uh, produce the, any sort of leverage of power to make change? It would be more productive to pee in the East River, Steve. <laughs> Why do you say that? I agree with that. <laughs> well, first of all, because we're dealing with multiple intellectual paradigms that can't even begin to conceive of the problem that we're attempting to resolve. If you look closely at the ideology of Trump and the people with him, it essentially is the same ideology that argues that uh, God created humans in order for them to dominate the world and to do with it as they please. They haven't gotten past that. They are social Darwinists. They believe that capitalism exists in a laissez-faire world, that the buyer should always be rare. Remember, this is the same country that, for decades, marketed pickup trucks with gasoline tanks behind the front seat, so... When you were T-boned, you went up in flames. The same country that gave you tobacco, <laughs> asbestos, opiates, because we continue to think that the only responsibility business has is to the bottom line. As long as we continue to think that way, it's just the way they're going to behave, and until we force them to realize that their world has been dead for the better part of 200 years, they're going to continue to do this when they get in power. Sort of like the Pope, not this one or the buffoon before him, but the buffoon before the buffoon before him, when he was in Germany and was confronted by a young man and woman who called for the ordination of married men and women, he basically looked at them and said, I have no fucking idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> Welcome to the world of Donald Trump. So, pee in the river, march in the streets, have at it it will have no cumulative effect. Royce, uh, do you agree with that? Didn't you see uh, or feel or sense any positive energy whatsoever in Washington, D.C. on Saturday? Um, I mean, on some levels I agree that, listen, doing nothing is definitely not going to change anything. Um, I think that the marching at least is letting people know that may feel the same way but don't know what to do. Um, you know, the idea that they're not the only people feeling that way and that there's, um, you know, there's people out there that do care and, and want to do something. Um, I think the energy is positive, but... I think the frightening part is that even if in 2018, um, you know, we can manage to get people excited enough to 
get out there and run for office and to change, it still doesn't change the fact of who's in the White House. And I think four years can do a lot of damage. Well, irreversible, to, irreversible damage. To go back I, I, agree, I agree with Royce. I don't know if if he's going to listen. If 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 anybody in that administration will listen uh, to any of these marches that are going on regarding any of these subjects that there are, are being marched about. And a word. And and, and I but I said. actually heard something yesterday that. And I, I don't even know if it's true, but Donald Trump was talking about changing how they vote in Congress altogether, yes. so that he doesn't have to negotiate with Democrats. Mm-hmm. In other words, he so, wants to get rid of he wants to get rid of the the filibuster completely. Correct. So now, if even if we, you know, even if the offices change, if I'm understanding it correctly. The Republicans will only need 51 percent of the vote. Is that correct? Or 51 uh-huh. well, votes? They, yeah, they would just would need 51 out of uh, out of out of the 100. Yeah, pencil so, uh, in the Senate. Uh, break the tie if there's a tie. Correct. In, what I don't understand, and I mean, I think the more alarming part, because I think all of these things are distractions. The most alarming thing is why a president and people in the White House that are supposedly under investigation for treason, basically, are allowed to continue to undo, to do anything. They shouldn't even be allowed to be in office. You know, well, it's, that's, it's really, no, I, I, I don't... That's a, that's a done deal, Falcon. No, but I'm saying even at this point... I hear, they, you, I they, hear you, Royce. Falcon needed to say something. What was it? Sorry. Okay, two things. Number one is it's due process. Number two, you will remember, Mr. Love, because you are the godfather of my son, that back in the day when I still pretended that organized religion had any value past allowing people to die comfortably, I asked a priest with whom I had worked for some period of time to officiate at his baptism. You may recall that he, when he was approached by the bishop to find out what it was he wanted to do with his wife, said he wanted to go to grad school. And the bishop said, to teach you humility, Michael, I will send you to the poorest parish in Hartford, Connecticut. Whereupon, when my son was born, he told me that as a Catholic priest, he could not officiate my son's baptism because I was not orthodox enough. You cannot climb into political power without assuming the stupidity and narrow-mindedness of the intellectual paradigm of the party. So if you think that putting Democrats in will alter this, it will not because they are as crooked, as corrupt, as myopic, and as intellectually dead as the Republicans. It won't However, work. We, we, do see, uh, we do see I'm examples. I'm going to disagree we on some level. We do see examples. We do see examples of power of people working. James Barth, you just told us about how, because of the involvement of targeting the right people at Bloomberg in New York, that something was accomplished. It has to be done at the right time, though, Steve. As I said, you don't do it after people are in power. You don't do it after the devil's in the door. But I would like to just bring it uh, – I mean, I agree with you know all the sentiments politically – and other that are being expressed here. 
but I do in bringing it back to um, uh, the earth uh, and you know climate and uh, so forth um, as I mentioned that uh, you know and uh, and Falcon you know the, I, I said in the beginning that this is a, basically it's a product of human nature it, we can't help ourselves uh, it's uh, whether it's politically and so forth and uh, there's going to be, I believe there's going to be very severe consequences to our behavior. Nature will restructure itself, and we will be radically restructured by those changes in nature. I think this is inevitable. Now, again, that doesn't mean I don't try to do anything about it, uh, but I limit it on the global, or I limit my action on the national, as, as has been being discussed here, and try to deal with it in ways that I can be more effective or as effective and certainly more effective than peeing in the East River. Now, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it was funny. I was reading an article by Andrew Rethkin. Uh, the, the New York Times has a new uh, uh, envir- so-called environmental conservatist uh, uh, right. opinion writer. Uh, uh, what was his name? Brett Stevens. And so he, let's say he misquoted or he underquoted Andrew Rethkin. And so Rethkin wrote a piece that was published in ProPublica today. And he ends with a quote by a friend of his. It's a rainforest defender named Blue Gold who says, argumentation uh, is not going to resolve the politics. Only nature can do that, and it will. And I'm not being a defeatist here and so forth, but let's face it, Steve, as you said in the beginning, if the uh, parts per billion is 410 or at 410 instead of 350, if, uh, you know, there's no political will to be, and not only is there no political will to move forward on taking action that's positive or constructive, but we now have in power on all levels people who are radically moving to undo everything and anything that could possibly and open up the doors further to the kind of industry that can, that will continue to destroy us. So that's why I'm saying that we're going to suffer the consequences. And that's the only thing that humans can and, understand. But, the, I, you know, when they get start to get destroyed by uh, forces that are uh, they can't argue with. Royce. Well, I just wanted to add, I think it was – um, Falcon that said previously that the Democrats were just as bad as the Republicans. And on some level, I agree with that, but at the heart of people that are generally Democratic, I think that's a gross mischaracterization of the ideolo- ideology of the party on either side, because the Republicans, most of them are driven by religion. And God, and um, that is far more frightening and dangerous than um, most people in the Democratic Party who believe um, fundamentally that religion should not be a part of politics. Well, right. There's a, and, a big part and of so that. And so when you say that the Democrats, the, the, the Republicans American, are the American far Taliban. more dangerous. The American Taliban, <laughs> as we know. Meanwhile, breaking news late this afternoon, White House leaning toward exiting Paris Agreement by next week, sources say, according to the Huffington Post. And in the tug of war over the historic climate agreement, 
EPA Chief Scott Pruitt and Chief Strategist Steve Bannon appear to be winning. Falcon, um, in uh, his book, The Anatomy of Human Destructiveness, Eric Frome draws a distinction between uh, what's called benign aggression and malignant aggression. And we see uh, very much a connection between uh, oil and the fossil fuel energy paradigm and the prosecution of war uh, in the uh, imperialist, extractive, coercive, exploitative drive of these berserk uh, white Anglo-Saxon men. Uh, What is that rooted in? Well, if you recall in the same book, Eric Fromm argues that there are three types of human cultures. One is a life affirmative culture. One is life negative. The third is somewhere in the middle. The life negative cultures are the ones that thrive on the creation of technology and the dominance of the physical universe. Mm -hmm. Fromm also says that what is unique about humans is that we emerge at a point in evolution where instinct is minimal and therefore how we think about our nature is more likely to shape our behavior than our instinctive hardwiring. He also goes on to say that what is distinctive about Western culture and why its history is a history of war is that our three values are sadism, masochism, and necrophilia, or necrophilia is love of violence and destruction. You cannot fix the problem by admitting that humans by nature are fucked up. You just add to the fucked upness of our current situation. Well, we have to start by redefining what it means to be human in terms that don't include fucking everybody in the universe because we want faster, better cars. If I can de if I can de intellectualize this for a second, <laughs> I would uh, I would just like to agree with what Royce was saying before about the Democrats uh, re- regarding. Uh, uh, level-headedness about climate change, since we are talking about climate change. Um, and, and I believe that, more, that if, if we fought as hard uh, to get a Democrat Senate and a Democrat House to fight Trump at the midterm elections, uh, that there would be a, a distinct difference in the way he could get anything done whatsoever – uh, regarding harming the country further, uh, I, I truly believe that because I, li- I know a little bit about the way Washington works, and yeah, you, you, you can make an argument for the Democrats being some, some Democrats being as bad as Republicans, but but on uh, overall, well, all on the, the whole, corporate Democrats. Well, you know, on the whole, they're going to make it. They're going to make the difference if we take back this, if we take back the Senate and take back the House. Um, the Senate is, is more um, feasible but at this the, but point. The question is ultimately, will anything change? That is, that is the question. And tonight, in Nation of Gangsters, the Senate on Monday cleared the way to confirm Jay Clayton as chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission, making a Wall Street power lawyer one of the nation's top financial regulators. By a vote of 60 to 36, the Senate voted to proceed to a final vote for Clayton, which he is all but certain to clear. Clayton, a partner at the elite corporate law firm Sullivan & Cromwell, is also one of 
several top Trump appointees with a Goldman Sachs background, having served as the megabank's bailout attorney in 2008. Trump's top economic advisor, Gary Cohn, White House Chief Strategist Steve Bannon, and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin all enjoyed lucrative careers at Goldman Sachs. The banksters are still in control, whether it's Barack Obama or uh, Trump. You've got uh, government Sachs, as they call it, Goldman Sachs, running the show. And if we know anything about history, if we look at history, every time the banksters take over things, it signals the end of empire. Wouldn't you agree, James Barth? When the banksters take over, it signals the end of empire? The end of empire, yeah. Everything has become degraded. No? Well, all empires come to an end. Some a lot sooner. The Thousand Year Reich goes down in 15 or whatever years. <laughs> the, uh, you know, there you go. The, every, the, the, even the Roman Empire. Uh, so I don't quite... You know, know about that. But I think our but, empire is, which really, our empire, I, I argue that Theodore Roosevelt was the first uh, American emperor, um, even though, what's his name, uh, McKinley was in there with his Spanish-American War. The, and, and really, uh, when you look at it, oil is behind uh, most of the wars that we have prosecuted um, since the early part of the 20th century. There's no question and about that. And I will that. add that most of the wars have been started by white men. There you go. <laughs> we, do me, need, me, we do need more women in government, I think. I would love Let that. me slightly disagree with you, Steve. I would say it's post-World okay. War II. Uh, you know, the, the, the American century began after the Second World War, where the we all of Europe and other areas were our uh, market. I disagree. It was not was not uh, the main concern of Japan. The Japanese was the the Japanese were pissed at the United States because we were blocking their access to Indonesian oil. Yeah, yeah, no, but I'm only talking about if you look at uh, look at the population of the world has doubled since 19 since I was born. Um, as far as oil, all thanks to and, oil and carbon. Hmm? All thanks to what? oil, by the way. The the well, rise that's what in I'm, population that's what I'm getting at, is you know, completely so. connected to uh, oil production. And by the way, we're going to need to continue to what you know. If Germany can have now forty percent of their electricity generation from uh, solar and wind, I think we need to go on a crash course there. Because as we've already attained peak oil and we're going to run out of oil eventually, we need to use the oil for our uh, our plastics. Your toothbrush is made out of oil. Well, gas liquids, you know, uh, I yeah. think more so than, uh, than oil itself. Um, but, yeah, you know, look, all I'm saying is from 1950 and on, We've had uh, it. That really is the American empire, and we blew it. I mean, we started blowing it immediately with Vietnam and afterwards. So, uh, our empire is going to be very short-lived, and who knows? You know, I know how long. And as the, as the as the world now turns, if the U.S. pulls out of the Paris Accord, the world now turns to China. 
for leadership in uh, mitigating climate change. All right, we've run out of time. I'd like to thank uh, James Barth and our panel uh, for participating tonight. And uh, moving forward, we're, we're uh, beginning work on our website. We're going to have our Pundits Pub website where you'll be able to visit and have a chance to become a pundit on Pundits Pub. We're also going to be having original user-generated uh, content at PunditsPub.com. Uh, we'll be announcing that in future. And thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs>